Hello and welcome to Azure Community Roundtable. My name is James Cook and I'll be your host. Uh, today we have two guest speakers, Rishab and Christos, and they will be speaking uh, some important topics like I will be as well. So uh, if I let Rishab uh, introduce himself first. Sure, yeah. So... Yeah, I'm just a tech enthusiast who, who loves to play in the cloud. And yeah, I recently started blogging so last year, as many of us have due to the pandemic. And yeah, that's how I found the tech community on Twitter. Um, and so far, I'm just loving it. Um, the amount of support and the amount of great content everybody is putting out um, and Recently, my main focus has been Azure and trying to grasp uh, kind of DevOps principles in Azure. Uh, and that's my focus at work too, as of right now. So yeah, that's about me. Brilliant. Crystals. Yep, I'm a program manager for Microsoft. I've been developing software since 2004, so that's uh, almost 17 years in the industry. I've worked as a consultant before joining Microsoft, and these days I focus a lot on security and identity, and I try to educate developers on how to build better software. I've been blogging since 2011, so I have, what, probably about 400 blogs around, and I have... Uh, I do a lot of public speaking and community events, including this one. It's my first uh, Twitter space, and I'm pretty excited about it. It's a very weird kind of a feeling because it's between a podcast and a live session, but it's neither, which is crazy. But uh, yeah, it's very technical, very geeky. I like to try new things and break stuff. So I'm in a perpetual state of learning and trying to educate other people while, with the stuff I learn. That's it. Brilliant. Sounds great. So um, what the format is with this show is I will introduce my talking point and we'll uh, present it and we'll then move on to a, a discussion around that topic and then we'll move on to each other guest speakers uh, topic of choice. Um, my topic today it's been one I've been looking at the last few days yeah, and trying to pick something out of the the news from Azure, I know um, there's been quite a bit in the last 24 hours, 48 hours on news. And the one that really jumped out at me was a tweet today from our previous guest speaker, Chris. And that was about Azure Migrate private endpoint support available in public preview. So for me, I've started looking at Azure Migrate for my company and looking at introducing that. I work in a finance uh, company, a fintech company, and having uh, my security team immediately go to me, you can't install a bit of software that uh, allows its traffic yet to um, go over the public internet and not be encrypted in um, to that degree. Um, obviously, it's encrypted to a certain amount, but for our security team, it's a little bit of, um, it needs to be over a private link or, uh, a VPN connection. So this preview, public preview of this private endpoint really stands out to me um, because um, from what I have been reading is um, it allows you to uh, use Express Route uh, to uh, get the traffic over site or a site-to-site -site VPN and 
it really gives it gives you that compliance that my company uses um i don't know if you guys have used uh, azure migrate or um um heard of it i've used it with customers before but it was in the early days uh, of migration so back in 2000 maybe 1718 um very early part of azure it had its own kinks and it has its limit it had its limitations only certain workloads were supported I think uh, these days it, it makes migrating to cloud a lot easier and the tool has evolved quite a bit. Yeah, it, it now supports a lot of uh, like VMware solutions and um, it's one of those stand standout points. If you're trying, for me, it's installing it onto an environment and being able to assess your resources for um, how much it's going to cost in the cloud or, and uh, so on and so forth regards to applications it's, it's a no-brainer to install and just just see how it runs with the assessment tools um but yeah literally this new feature for me a private endpoint for my company and i think for most most um customers this is uh, another uh, plus for the security books really What about you, Rishab? Have you heard of Azure Migrate before? No, I was just no. going to the Microsoft <laughs> documentation <laughs> as we were speaking. <laughs> no, so literally, um, I, I, like um, Christos has said, yeah, it's been around for quite a few years, and I think, yeah, it's about onboarding customers onto um, and um, into Azure, really. So you basically install the virtual appliance onto um, uh, your Hyper-V environment, your VMware environment, you can actually install it onto a physical server and it let it scan, uh, you point it to your net, uh, other servers that might be physical on-prem. And it base, it gives you a link here between the, the appliances monitoring the on-premise um, virtual machines and everything and makes a connection to Azure and you use the Azure interface to um, create your assessments or your migration plan and um, make um, onboard those um, VMs and uh, applications over to your uh, to Azure, um, you can it can it move, duplicate it, or just gives you an assessment so that you can just create the resource from scratch rather than from a uh, in, uh, backup image or anything. So yeah, it's pretty handy in um, my opinion. I haven't. Other than reading about it and possibly playing with it in one of my own test environments, the actual usage of it in a real-life environment, I have not been able to do. But it's it's one of those it's just one of those tools I think give that if you do have an existing environment, give just put it on there and um, let it run the assessments and just play around with it and just see what it happens i think as well um is that if you leave it running longer in your environment it uh gives you a better a better assessment of your environment so it gives you more more of an accurate result on compute usage and everything so interesting yeah okay so it's a great tool for sure it's yeah it's one is, of the obvious things yeah yeah, literally. I think there's been a quite a few posts in the last and um, content creating in the last couple of months. Yeah, around 
Azure Migrate because of these new features and especially with the uh, like this new feature that's now in public preview, it's becoming a more uh, dominant application to to those who are still on prem or have some resources left on on prem and want to just uh, install the appliance and just work out what they want to do with it. So, okay, what we'll do now is uh, move on to Rishab now on his topic of choice. Sure. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, unlike Christos, I don't I don't have the crazy amount of experience. Um, I'm pretty pretty new to especially Azure, I would say. And I think one of the learning or motivating factors for me was the Microsoft certifications, especially not being from the cloud background and not having a technical degree. Um, yeah, the, the certifications did help me like get a job and especially this DevOps promotion that I recently got is based on my key nature and how I'm willing to learn new concepts and uh, more about cloud. So yeah, my kind of my topic is how like you don't need any technical degrees and uh, how just like self-taught routes are a thing. And I didn't believe it at first uh, and I was still like in product support. Um, that was my first role three years from now. Um, and yeah, I think I spent uh, a share amount of time in just helping customers and the usual help desk uh, call center stuff. And but I think I did learn a lot, especially talking to customers and talking to people. Uh, but given that, I, I really wanted, uh, like, I got introduced to cloud. I think I went on one of the summits here in Toronto, and I was just amazed seeing 6,000 people who were, like, totally interested and enthusiastic about cloud. And there were so many amazing talks. But all of those at that time just went over my head. But it was just great to see the culture and people uh, in such a great community uh, early in my career. And I think that kind of uh, wanted, I wanted to like explore more of, about it. And like, I would like to thank the team that like the cloud team, uh, my current company, I was allowed to shadow them and see what they do and kind of uh, learn and how they utilized cloud. And they were primary user of AWS at the time. So yeah, I started looking into how I could get in and started talking to some senior devs or senior cloud engineers. And they were like, yeah, you would probably have to get some certifications and some projects under your belt uh, in order to be eligible for any of the job postings that they had. And yeah, that's exactly what I did. And um, I think for as for now, I have done around 11 certifications in the last 12 months and I, I don't recommend it, but um, I do feel like it does help you getting out there and especially on LinkedIn. Um, lately, I. Everything I see on LinkedIn is 
people getting certifications. Uh, but I do think it, it gains a lot of uh, recruiter attention. And given that, I think it will help you uh, secure an interview at least uh, with some of these amazing software companies. But I do want to point out that just certifications won't help you get the job. Like I did require a lot of practical experience and the way I gained it was uh, just having some project uh, fully fetched uh, applications or deployed into cloud. Um, I know the first one I did was my own site, basically my personal portfolio, uh, basic EC2 instance or uh, Azure VM uh, that would run a node server because I was quite interested in JavaScript at the time. And yeah, but then lately I discovered all about IAC or infrastructure as code and how you can implement CI, CD uh, into practice. So that's how I kind of improvised my project that was basically a simple site running on an EC2 VM or a VM in general. And yeah, that caught a lot of attention, I think, uh, especially in my interviews. And because, and to add to that, I think being public about your learnings helps a lot um, because that kind of showed the employer that, okay, yeah, he's he didn't know cloud at all. And then within like 12 to 15 months, he did have a good knowledge and you can kind of see the journey that I went through. And same thing for that project because it was I decided to host it on GitHub. You could see it evolving as I learned different concepts, uh, different technology, uh, technologies in the cloud and different DevOps principles that I'm learning right now and I'm implementing on the way. Uh, to my projects. So yeah, I think certifications do help and um, yeah, just don't collect them like they're Pokemons like me. But yeah, I think I'm kind of addicted now. I don't know what, what your thoughts are, Christos, on this. I mean, that's that's great. It's very interesting to see how people onboard into cloud and Azure. And, you know, it's great to see new developers coming into that. I'm very curious to understand how you found the learning process. What did you use to learn more? Is it, were you mainly hands-on? Did you use learning uh, tools like Pluralsight and other sites? Did you go through the docs and you did it yourself? Do you use certification to get that? Because different people have different onboarding experiences. And, you know, uh, it's always interesting to find how people, uh, the people's journeys onto learning something new, right? What was your, what was your experience? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, for me, I think, and that's, so I have multiple certifications, both in AWS and Azure. Um, AWS was the first pick just because the employer I was working for used it. Um, but yeah, I think Microsoft has done a great job with Microsoft Learn and for majority of certifications, I've used Microsoft Learn as the primary resource. Um, but yeah, on the other side, I do utilize some of great YouTube courses that are out there for free, but also some Pluralsight, Udemy, and 
other platforms if I ever find that I'm struggling to understand a concept. And yeah, I think, yeah, that's one of the main points that I find is, yeah, Microsoft Learn is far, like it's by far the best resource you could utilize to prepare for Microsoft certifications. For AWS, I kind of have mixed thoughts about their documentation and not having exactly, I don't want them to be same as Microsoft, but at least have something that's comparable. Uh, the other thing I love about Learn is sandboxes. So you basically have, I think, access to like 10 sandboxes per day. I could be wrong on that. But that basically gives you an Azure environment where you don't have to sign in with your personal credentials because the first thing that I find was tricky was I don't want like a $10,000 bill coming up if I'm practicing uh, some labs or doing hands-on uh, stuff. That's really interesting. I've been like you, Shab, literally in the last 12 months, I've upped my game on certifications and literally just been um from january last year i did my az 900 during the, uh, by the summer i did my az 103 which is now 104 by the end of the year i did the devops and expert certification and most recently last week last week i did my az 303 and throughout all those i used the ms learn content as the the foundation this is where I'll go. One, because it's free. And two, because of sandboxing. It's just amazing. You don't see that on any other platform in such detail. And no surprise, Microsoft learning platform. So having a, the abilities to sandbox into Azure is um, great. Um, but what I found is that even though MS Learn had enough information, I wanted to dig, uh, dig, uh, dig a, dig a bit um dig a bit deeper into the how things work and even though reading it i just found i needed some type of video tutorial and have something visually in front of me to see someone doing something to then sink in a little bit more and i i used um pluralsight where i can uh, last year pluralsight had um, a deal with microsoft where certain content was free at the end of the year that was no longer accessible so i I'd lost that i lost access to that and then in april Pluralsight introduced their free month for every user so use access to all their content for free for the month so i i, I really hit hard on my az303 revision on that platform for, uh, for that whole month um but my, my company provides Udemy for business. Uh, they provide that and allows me to then log on to the platform and uh, sign up to courses. I use Scott Duffy. Um, and again, for that content, it's just that visual aid for me. So even though I read MS Learn content, I just needed that extra uh, help here yeah, with actually visualizing what I've learned in text to be able to go, okay, that's where this is and this is how you do this and this explains why I need to do that. And when the questions do come up in the exam, I can then visually remember, I'll remember that and 
oh, this is the scenario, and then, okay, I can apply that because this is what I understand from what I've learned. So I'm for me, I'm more a visual learner. And like you said, Rishab, you ain't got you say you've you ain't got a degree. And I came out of school eleven years ago. Um and I had a option to go to university to do a degree in computer forensics. And I deferred that for a year and did a advanced apprenticeship, they called it at the time, for five months. And I got two months three three Microsoft certifications which were like Windows 7 and server based and I got my first job and as soon as I got my first job and my first pay slip I decided nope I'm not going I'm not going to go back I'm not going to go to university and get a degree I think I'll stay where I am and then throughout those years I built up my um, experience within my company I was at at the time for, and I was there for eight years but throughout those eight years I did do a couple certifications, but nothing to the degree with the Azure stuff. And that became a slight problem when I decided to change companies. So when I did decide to start looking for a new job, I found that my experience was uh, appreciated to a certain degree, but to go for the jobs I wanted, I needed some type of evidence of a more advanced learning to the, to what I already have done and it became apparent that what I was looking for required a little bit more um, backing by certifications so I decided to go with a job where I could grow that knowledge so I'm currently in that role now and, and throughout those I've been here now for two years at this fintech company I've um, grown myself yeah learning their technologies and being able to then throughout the last 12 months 18 months certify myself on azure to now i've got 303 now i'm going to start revising for 304 and hopefully get that done in the next couple of weeks to then get another expert certification to then be able to go well i've got all these certifications i'm now a technical expert in azure so for me, um, not doing the degree was probably the best decision I made. Um, I do have some regrets in um, being able to go to certain companies that did at the time ask for degrees, but I think that ethos has now changed. I think a lot of people appreciate the experience and the self-taught learning that you've done with certifications. Um, you said that you went into some um, interviews yourself yeah and they appreciated you documented well publicly sharing your learning um, and I, I think yeah, that that really um, um, shines more than um, a degree uh, with that type of self-taughtness so um, I don't know if you agree with that no, for, for sure yes I think um, it, it was kind of a similar situation, I would say, for me, too, is um, just being an immigrant, like, the degree itself was going to cost a lot of money, and I didn't want to, like, spend coming 10 years in student debt. Um, yeah, that, that kind of drove the uh, decision of not going the university route and just going through a technical diploma 
uh, which I did for getting a tech support role. And no, I'm glad I did that and think that's, that kind of paved the way where I am right now. Because, um, yeah, if I hadn't got that help desk role, I wouldn't, I don't know, like, what else I would have been doing because that's how I got introduced to cloud. And yeah, here we are. So, no, I totally agree. Think, I think it, it depends person to person too. Um, but yeah, if you can go the self-taught route and you have the time, um, either on weekends or on in the weeks, and if you're trying to transition towards a career in cloud, I think you can, it is possible going uh, via the self-taught. Brilliant, thank you. That's actually very insightful. Um, I think I think I watched your latest video on uh, DP nine hundred. But before that, I think it was a week before that. I listened to your one hundred and four. How uh, what did you use in regards to that, and how you learned in regards to that? And I think you also, when I have been looking at Kubernetes, you've been contributing to. I'm trying to remember the name. Is it one hundred days of Kubernetes? Yeah. Yeah, so I've seen a lot of that content as well recently. So your your presence online um, and sharing that knowledge is um, uh, remarkable. Um, I've just I decided in February I start sharing my knowledge and what I know and and writing technical articles. I started my blog in February, and I've started this only recently and and um, um, start upload started uploading YouTube videos again. I did some last year. Uh, so doing them again this year so trying to get that content out and share and demonstrate that knowledge and expertise and um when i've been looking at this con uh, content out there the especially with kubernetes is one of those areas that i'm trying to learn and the problem is i keep going back to azure and focusing on the azure certification so once i've i've, I've made the decision once i've done 304 I'm going straight to Kubernetes and learn Kubernetes from Docker, Kubernetes, and then from there, then go on to Azure uh, Kubernetes services. So, um, but yeah, every time I look at saying Kubernetes based, yeah, I either uh, I see a few key people and, and you do pop up on a lot of things in regards to um, uh, the community driven stuff like 100 days of Kubernetes. So, um, uh, uh, I'd like to say thank you for sharing some of that content especially even if we, you're just learning the stuff. If you're learning, we're all, we're all learning and sharing those notes really do do help us. So uh, thank you again. Um, yep. So I'm glad you're part of this community. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat, I would say, for Kubernetes for now. Um, yeah, I, I keep falling back towards more Azure search and I think I've kind of made it dead end uh, on the next one is the DevOps expert. I'm like, okay, this is the last one. And then I'll focus more towards Kubernetes and learn more about that. Um, but yeah, I, it's great to see Anais, like you shout out to her for arranging 100 days of Kubernetes and starting that challenge. And yeah, you're just doing our bits and pieces and making this a better community. Brilliant. Okay, so we'll move on to Christos' topic of choice. I'll let him uh, explain, uh, uh, talk about it now. Thank you very much. Not so much of a choice, but um, 
as I said, I work in the identity space and the security space. And I think cloud security is very important considering how things have changed in the last 10 years with everything moving to cloud and most companies being cloud aware. But we're still seeing the same challenges when it comes to securing apps and securing solutions. And Azure is no different than any other clouds. You still are responsible for your own security. So I wanted to come here and, and ask people or, or hear people what they have to say about security and how they, what kind of challenges they're facing today because um, from, from the inside, it looks that there are certain things that developers should be doing and companies should be doing, but uh, it's challenging to apply them across the board and there seems to be lack of knowledge. I don't know if certifications or degrees or conferences or anything else can help with that, but my main goal is to protect you when you build stuff and make sure that you're doing it securely, whether that's through DevOps, whether that's through uh, developing locally and then moving to cloud, or whether that's running infrastructure on the cloud, regardless of the implementation, whether it's PaaS or IaaS, VMs, functions, security is important. And I know that even, even for people that have done degrees, so it doesn't matter whether you're software or not, we don't really spend a lot of time in security. I did four years in university and security was not once taught in the curriculum, but I was back in 2001. So I'm probably a dinosaur in that space. So I'm curious to, to find what other people are facing, what challenges they're facing. Uh, so we can, you know, help everyone be more secure. Yeah, I think. <laughs> okay, just so add... literally security is one of the first things I go to now in regards to anything uh, I discussed in regards to Azure. It's, well, you want to put this into Azure. Okay, well, let's look at the most secure way first to do it. And it may be because of the industry I work in for finance technology. We do. We have to be careful with what we put data we put into the cloud and how we move that data into the cloud. Um, I work a lot with um, Azure myself personally in my team and working with things like Azure DevOps. And I, I built up the knowledge of security around that and become the in-house DevOps security expert. So literally, I look at all the security side of stuff, yeah, but I consult my security team and share that knowledge and everything. Um, but for me, I, 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 I haven't shared this. I don't think it's more of a um, uh, embarrassment. I, I haven't shown, uh, shared it with people. It's more of a story I want to share. But I took the... I took the AZ500 exam, which is the Azure Security Associate exam in January. And um, the knowledge from that, you know, the course on MS Learn, amazing. Um, you can't, I can't find nothing external that has that, that type of information. I, I found one or two courses, but it weren't enough yet to fill in the gaps that I needed to take the exam. But the MS Learn, you really covered it to that degree. But what I found was, is um, um, I failed the exam and I failed it by just a little bit. But obviously, yeah, that little bit means yeah, I didn't know much of one subject area. And what I, the funny thing was, yeah, I don't think I failed it because of that one subject area. The, the funny story was I locked myself out of my company building. And at the time, because of all the lockdown stuff in January, 
I was the only person in uh, the building. So when I locked myself out, I couldn't get back in and no one could let me back in. So finally, I was able to contact someone and get back in 15 minutes late for the exam and literally uh, sped through the exam. No reason for it because I didn't lose any time, but I sped through it, weren't in the right mindset and failed. But literally, it's one of those things I, I wanted to share the experience, but uh, didn't because I really uh, I failed because of circumstances that were not related to any of the learning material or being prepared. It was more outside um, my my um, little naivety of um, leaving my security card at, inside the building and leaving the building without my security cards. So brilliant. Um, but I think over the last few months, the SC exams have been coming out and they really are more focused on certain security aspects now. So for me, I, I was looking at doing AZ500 again, but now I'm thinking, do you know what? I should lay the foundation again and actually do the SC900 first and build up to, from doing a, a SC900, build up again towards the AZ500. And I think Microsoft hit the now when they did release these SE exams and actually not just what I found was the AZ500 was just one security exam on one thing. And, I th and it was really like, okay, well, in real life, that's not really what we're looking at when we're working with Vizier. It's not just this one exam type topic area of this is how to use the services. But whereas, well, what I've looked at in regards to the exam topics, SC900, SC10, uh, SE 200, I think, or 201 or something like that. But those exams are specific to certain aspects and they are, their mislearned content covers a lot of scenarios around it. And I think Microsoft has hit the now now um, on security coverage in regards to content and certifications. Um, but for me, um, security is probably number one in regards to planning how we're going to do things and everything and i think the security certifications and ms learn content will now assist myself and my colleagues and obviously the wider community to be able to be more security conscious with regards to products but i think it's just i think a little bit more i think there was a lot about the SC exams when they were in beta, a lot of people wanted to do them and everything. And once they the beta closed and we were waiting for the general release of it, there was a lot of talk about um, oh, we're waiting for the exam results and everything. But since the exam results were released for the beta um, exams and now the uh, general availability, I don't see much content from the community on it again. So really, it's a shout out to everybody. Um, if you are doing the SC exams, just uh, share what, you, what your experience is on them and um, please um, publicly share your thoughts and everything. I really would like to hear that myself. I, don't, I think Christos would as well. Um, but yeah, that's my, my view on security, my ramble. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I would agree um, with James here. I, wish I, think yeah. I can't hear you. I don't know if Christos can hear you. We can hear him. I think it's oh, a okay. you problem, James. <laughs> it's just me, is it? I must have muted him be. personally. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. Uh, maybe I might have a technical issue. Sorry, Rishab. What I'll do is I'll let you talk and uh, um, I'll pick up on um, possibly uh, thinking you're finished when you mute yourself or something. So. <laughs> sure, we'll do that. Um, but yeah, no, I think I would agree with James. Uh, Microsoft doing their part with coming out with these security-based exams. And yeah, I think um, I just sat this SC900 when it was in beta, and I think they did a pretty good job, especially for someone who doesn't come from a security background. And to Christoph's point, I think the the lack of awareness, I think, could be the number one reason um, like why like I was not aware about security at a high level. Like I knew what it meant, um, but digging deeper into identity management in cloud and all of the other stuff you could do to protect uh, like protect your apps and infrastructure um, was just not a huge focus when you when you're trying to learn cloud. And yeah, I think if if companies and like employers did a better job just making aware of people how important security is, I think we could avoid a lot of breaches uh, that happen around the world. Um, yeah, and I think also the fact, and that is just me, uh, I don't feel there are many like beginner friendly communities out there, uh, especially for security or cyber, cybersec uh, in general. That's just my feeling. Um, I've tried some. There's there's a ton of gatekeeping. I feel, um, but yeah, probably yeah. I would say, well, the, the problem with security is that it's very wide, right? You, you talk about yeah, security, but you got hardware security, you got software security, you got infrastructure security, you have cloud security. And, uh, you know, getting started with security, you, you first need to know what you need to know, right? What kind of space do you want to uh, look at? Do you, are you looking at, you know, memory dumps in the operating system or are you looking at, um, you know, malware? Are you looking at infrastructure security and what have you. So it's, it's very challenging. I, I get the beginner content is not particularly friendly, but there are a lot of resources out there. The problem is knowing where to start. The, I, th I think there are Discord communities and stuff like that that can help you mm -hmm. um, navigate the waters. Uh, again, as with everything else, it's like cloud, right? Cloud is huge. What, what do you want to yep. do with the cloud? Do you want to do PaaS? Sure. Do you want to do VMs? Do you want to do functions and serverless stuff there's the, even just kubernetes somebody mentioned kubernetes before that's a vast space to learn even and that's one technology within the wider mm -hmm. cloud space therefore again are you going to be looking at, at kubernetes from a devops perspective are you managing kubernetes are you going to be deploying apps that are running in kubernetes all that need to be taken into consideration so um Unlike 20 years ago, where the domain space was a lot more limited and mm -hmm. things were moving much slower, today, every, every day you have a new framework, you have a new language, you have a new service, and everybody's competing. So everything is moving very fast. You need to understand what you want to learn for the specific task at hand. Even certifications, which are great, I think, from my perspective, certifications serve very well in helping people 
uh, with structural learning. But at the same time, by the time you finish it with the certification, it's already uh, past its time. It's already outlived by the next version of the, the service that you're learning. Uh, and I don't know what your experience has been, but back in the day when I was doing certifications, I would say some of the un- uh, questions were outdated because it took a year and a half to create the, the course and you know the, the questions and the certification. And by the time it went public, things mm-hmm. had moved on. So structured learning is fantastic. I think it's very useful to have that. I think certifications are useful to provide uh, structure, but um, it's very important for people that are on board to new technologies to pick an area and focus on that before, because it's, it's a whole mountain, right? There's so much knowledge out there. It never stops. So find the things that you need to apply to your current project or to your you know, work assignment or whatever. And then use that as a learning experience. Otherwise, you endlessly move around and you forget the stuff that you learn. Oh, for sure. I think, yeah, oh, that's a great point. Um, that picking a niche, I would say, and focusing on that. Otherwise, you're just like stretching yourself really thin, um, given it's a like really vast uh, ecosystem now. Just the IT space itself is—it's it's huge now. Oh yeah, identity is is huge, and for us, it's a it's a constant battle against stay on top of things, especially as new stuff are coming around. Identity doesn't move as fast as in the as other technologies, like it's not like Kubernetes or containers or languages, but um, even the, the protocols that we use today are evolving to adjust to new uh, attacks. And uh, they, we need to provide better capabilities, especially as things are moving further to the edge, right? Like edge identity is going to be a big thing. Uh, very Verifiable credentials is a big thing. I saw yesterday, why was the company that has uh, done that? Um, Stripe. Stripe actually is going to start providing verifiable identity. So if you're a bank and you want to onboard new users, you don't have to get them through the door into your physical on-premises environment. You just use a service like Stripe and they can onboard new people to the service and verify their credentials. So I can open an account without really leaving the the comfort of my office or the comfort of my PC, which is great. So identity is moving as well and there are new challenges every day. You just have to go to Troy Hunt's website, Have I Been Pawned, and see over 10 billion accounts that have been compromised over the last few years with over half a... Uh, 500,000 pastes or 500 pastes from different websites. So identity is challenging, that's for sure. Yeah, I think a couple of my, uh, my uh, accounts are definitely on that website uh, from when I've looked in the past. <laughs> so it's, uh, well, it is one of those challenges, isn't it? And I, think, I don't know, Chris, because obviously you are um, from Microsoft and obviously on the security side, I don't know. Do you feel like you're chasing when uh, chasing on products and everything when they are released and everything. Yeah, we're, like or we need to build more onto the security side and everything. Yeah, or uh, on the information. Um, do you think there's that type of ethos when you're you're working at Microsoft, or do you think it's actually well thought about? Yeah, that or what we're releasing. Yeah, we need need to make sure that 
well, we are, uh, we've got the details yeah, correct, yeah, and the information out there because people will just turn around and ask that question in regards to security. I don't know. If, but... Well, for, for Azure, one of the bigger focuses, I don't know if you know that, but Microsoft is the biggest security company in the world. Right. We we see we have billions of authentications per day on the Azure uh, Active Directory. Uh, we have all the big S&P 500 uh, enterprises, but there's a lot behind the scenes that not many people see, not even I see. Like we have whole operation center where we monitor and track things as they happen in real time. We've taken bots and organized crime down in collaboration with, um, you know, um, other governments and stuff. So Microsoft is the biggest security company from from consumer perspective, from you and me, and for develop from a developer perspective. Uh, we are doing a lot of work to ensure that identity is embedded in the services that you use. Whether that's SQL, whether that's uh, NoSQL, whether that's web apps, whether that's storage, um, we we want to enable security by default which makes life a lot harder when you're developing stuff because, you know, things don't work. Things are locked down. But at the same time, with security on by default, it, at least you're not going to screw up by putting your customer's data on an insecure storage account, which happens. I don't know, it was probably a few months ago when an Indonesian bank um, had compromised data because they used an Azure storage account, which was open to the public. And people do it all the time. So security by default is a big focus. And then lighting up deep integrations from the developer environment all the way to the production environment is also a major focus. This, this is achieved by a combination of tooling, like Visual Studio and Visual Studio Code already have the ability to authenticate against Azure AD to the SDKs they use, the libraries they use. They, they come with very... Uh, conscious security settings and authentication settings that allow you to use the Azure SDKs to authenticate against services without changing the code or your settings between the developer, the QA, and the production environment. And finally, services need to support identity out of the box or security out of the box. So for example, if you're using SQL, we just announced a public preview of Azure Active Directory only authentication doing away with SQL credentials, which was a big pain for everyone because these credentials have to be managed and stored and secured somehow. And we know that developers are not particularly security conscious, or they should be, but they're not. Uh, companies don't have really strict hygiene and control over credentials. Hell, I've been in companies where people had left and two years later, they still had access to production systems. Insane stuff. So therefore, you know, Manas identities out of the box supported in almost every service today. If it's not supported, we're chasing for support. For example, at Build, we announced Azure Arc and the ability to run PaaS services on any environment via Azure Arc. I was super excited about that, but what we found out is that identity, Manas identities are not part of that service yet, but we are consciously working on making that a capability. Therefore, if you're running, say, Kubernetes, on an Azure Arc-enabled environment or you're on your on-premises resources, then you should be able to get identity out of the box and authenticate against Azure services for free without you having to do any extra work. So there is a lot of work happening to light up and enable developers to write more secure software and for enterprises to have this kind of a managed identity resources and security resources 
which makes hygiene easier, makes accountability easier, makes auditing easier, and developers don't have to screw up by sticking credentials and put them into source control, which happens till this day. So I hope Brilliant. I answered yeah, that definitely did. Yeah, it really covered it really well. Okay, so uh, I'd like to thank both uh, Christos and Rishab uh, for having the time today to speak on the show. Um, I'd like to apologise for the late but to both of them. I know they've had a nice little chat beforehand, but um, yeah, we had a few technical issues with the link. And, um, and again, I do apologise because I did have some audio issues in the last five minutes so uh, i think that's resolved now um but we are learning with twitter spaces and they constantly are developing and ma in making improvements um i'd like to say again thank you to uh, everyone for listening and um i'll catch you guys um on the next episode thank you